he just, you know, he says hi, and, and uh, things are going well there. Of course, they're having fun. He's over in Spain right now. And uh, what a neat opportunity for that guy to be able to do. And so this morning, uh, he asked if I would go ahead and teach, which I love doing. I love teaching. Um, this is one of those times where as I come into the teaching and start preparing and, and going throughout the week of just thinking, you know, and pondering, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? I can't remember a time that it was this heavy on me of like what I spoke about of just being not worthy and being disgusted. And it was just heavy. And I, I seriously want to just be like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask somebody else. I'll call it Ty and Ty Shepherd can do it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those points where you're just, you, you get to see it. And it's a good point to go to, but I could just tell that this was completely the enemy. He's just bringing everything else up. I've been doing the weeks before and, and, and the way that I had treated my wife or the, you know, my kids or how all these things coming back up that I couldn't even remember just showing me how unworthy. And I had to cry out to him. I had to be like, Lord, this is going to be about you. I can't do this. This is, it's got to be about you. And, and, and it's by your grace is the only reason that we can get up there and teach. The only grace that poured out on us is the only reason that we can go out and, and help out and minister to the people that you've called us to. Because really, if we look at just ourselves without him, we, we're right. We can't do it. We're unworthy. We shouldn't be out there giving the, the most beautiful message, right? And so praise God for that. And I just want to thank him and, and, and ask that you guys just pray, too, that we could just dive into his word this morning, that the, the enemy just wouldn't have any part. I mean, already we've had problems with the sound and, and, and the visual. And, you know, I, it's so many times that I've seen in churches and stuff where if the pastor's gone for a little bit, man, the enemy just loves to jump in there. He loves to stir up the people and make it a little crazy, so... Let's just go to him, and I just want to pray just that he'll, he'll guide this this, uh, this morning for us. So, Lord, we just want to hear from you, and um, Lord, I thank you again, just your grace. Lord, we want to hear about your scriptures. We want to hear about the things you have for us, and just as our world starts falling apart around us and, and the disgusting things that it's getting itself into, Lord, I pray that we could be that light, Lord, that we wouldn't join in, that we would uh, abstain from all those things you've asked us to and that you've given us the power to do, Lord. I pray you just speak to your congregation this morning. This is your people, Lord, and, and Lord, uh, just the things you've taught me through these last, this last week, and it's been a joy, Lord. I just thank you, and I, I just want that to be poured out on these people. So, Lord, just bring us a remembrance of who you are, how awesome you are, the freedom we have in you, and Lord, just what we're supposed to be doing and the things that we need to be cautious of. And so, Lord, we give you this morning uh, just to worship and praise you and learn more about you. In your name we pray, amen. I better do this because I almost forgot about the announcements. I know it's a little out of order, but there is an important announcement. I was going to skip through it, but my wife wrote special notes on there, so I better do it. (laughs) Do you guys have your announcements? Go ahead and look at it. The Women's Fall Retreat is in Glen Erie. I don't know if you guys have been there. It's beautiful. It's over there near Colorado Springs, right on the outside of it, over by Garden of the Gods. Awesome place, kind of an old castle setting. Um, So mark your calendars. It's going to be September 16th, 18th, registration and retreat fee are $150. This is the important part. Please see Shelly, okay? After service, there's a table that's going to be out there, um, and you guys need to pay half now, and then you can pay half in August, okay? Because we need to get the rooms and, and, and be able to get a sure spot in this place. So I ask that you women would be, please do that. See Shelly after the service. And then we have uh, August 7th. There's going to be a fellowship at the ballpark that's coming up. It's a faith day at Colorado Rockies with a post-game concert and musical guest, Crowder. I had to look it up with Shonda to see if this was David Crowder, because if you guys have been in the music scene for a while, it used to be called David Crowder. I didn't know if there's another band. This is the same guy. Just got a more swag name to him, right? Crowder. All right, so that'll be great, you guys. Uh, $23 per ticket. Um, I don't. Is there a van going up there? Are we using the church van or anything like that? You don't know? Okay. To be announced later. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, if it needs to be, we'll definitely, yeah. So uh, that's going to be happening August 7th. And then the youth mission trip. This is going to be an awesome deal. Uh, the youth in the middle school, high school are involved in attending a mission trip to Ciudad Juarez, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, to help with the construction project ministry work uh, with the needy. And it's going to be September tw- uh, 2nd through the 5th. Your kids have to get a passport to do this. And like, what was it? Ty- no, Martin said that, right? you want your kids to come back, make sure they have a passport. If not, I thought that was pretty funny. My parents almost did that to me in Canada. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you guys, there's a, there's a sign-up. There's more details at the desk. 
Awesome trip. I know I'm biased to it. My parents are the ones that are down there. It's a neat trip, but the thing is, it's a big eye-opening opportunity for the youth. And, and it's something where they get to see a completely different culture. Uh, it really brings up some questions that are the very healthy questions. It kind of rocks their world. So I encourage you guys, if you guys know any other youth that you can encourage to go on this, do that, please. And uh, so that will be September 2nd through the 5th. Okay, let's get into the study. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 9, and 10. I know perfect for a communion Sunday to try to do a big amount of scriptures. We'll see how far we can get through this. But one of the things the Lord was really laying on my heart was how to be careful with liberty. How to be careful with Christian liberty. And what I mean is by the freedoms that we've been given. And there's some scriptures that we're coming across and he was showing me out of 1 Corinthians on how we're supposed to be careful with the liberty that he's given us. And you guys know that there's a couple different things like, and this was a funny deal because I didn't even realize that this was going to be 4th of July weekend and I'm freedom, you know, it worked out. Definitely from God, right? <laughs> but there's a lot of things that as we get to get into this weekend and we get to celebrate on Monday is how exciting it is that we got this independence from England, right? That, that we got to become our own nation and we got to design our own laws and, and the way that we are going to live. And it's an awesome deal, and it's a neat freedom that we've been given that many other countries don't enjoy. We have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of speech, press, assembly, petition, my favorite, bear arms, own property. There's a lot of freedoms that we get to have as an American, right? And thank the Lord that he's given us that. I mean, there's many times I think, Lord, why was I born here? I mean, what a neat thing. I could have been born in Iran. You know, I could have been born somewhere where there's no freedom at all, and they tell me how I'm supposed to live my life, who I'm supposed to worship, how I'm supposed to do it, what, I'm, what job I'm going to do, what, even what wife I'm supposed to marry. I mean, wow, what freedoms we have here. But it's sad because us as a nation, we've taken our freedoms and we've used it to turn against the one who has given us freedom. That's one of the sad things. That when man is left to his own morals, his own mind, his own heart, he'll start turning, won't he, against the loving God. And with these freedoms, it's so sad because our nation as a whole, and when I say we, I'm talking about our nation, so don't get offended and say, I don't do that. Just look at us as a nation. As a nation, we've sought after other gods, haven't we? You know, that freedom of religion is an awesome thing, but we've definitely sought after other gods. We use our speech to sway others into sin. We use our media for personal gain. That's why there's so many lies. We gather together to protest God's desire for our life. Think about it. Think of all the protests are out there to go against the will of God. And we kill for gain or lack of control in our own lives is why we kill. And it's a sad thing that with these liberties and, and these responses, the, the, these freedoms that we've been given, it's, it's been turned into that, that, hey, I'm going to go for it all. Like, you can't tell me when to stop because I'm a free person. I live in the, in the United States, right? I live in America, so you're not going to tell me. But it's unfortunate because there isn't any God, any moral, any, anything there to say, wait, where, where's the line drawn here? And they've given that up. So with liberty comes great responsibility, right? With liberty comes great responsibility. It's also true in our spiritual liberty. As we live for Christ and what we've been given through Christ, it's one of those things that we look at too, and we could definitely abuse what we've been given in him. Just like we see the United States and what they're abusing because of the freedom, we can do the exact same things in our own spiritual lives. Some of the things that we've been freed from, we've been freed from the law, right? That's in Romans 7, 6. It talks about us being freed from the law. We're free from sin in Romans 6, 18. And praise God for that. We're free from death in Romans 8, 2. And we're free from traditions or from what this verse says is men. And it's speaking of traditions in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. I find these freedoms here are a little bit more important to me than the freedoms that my country gives me. And I know that might be one of those things that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa they're about the same. They're not. Spiritual freedoms, they're eternal. <laughs> that's something I always get to be in. Something that man has made up for me in those freedoms, that's temporal. And I'm appreciative and I, I'm so thankful for the people that have fought for that. But... The freedoms Christ has given me is so much more, which means much more attention, much more responsibility needs to be paid. 
We don't have time to address each one of these freedoms that I spoke of uh, and its importance and, and to go through each one of them. But we'll be looking at what Paul had to say to the Corinthians about two of the responsibilities for our liberty in verses eight, or chapters 8, 9, and 10. We're not going to read through each one of them uh, uh, verse by verse. We're going to go through sections of each one of them just to get what Paul is talking to the uh, church in Corinth. And so first, let's read 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13. It says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through him we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with consciousness of, an, of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God. And for neither if we eat or we are, for if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Now, there's a lot going on there. If you guys look at the culture back then, in, in, the, in Corinth especially, this is a place where they loved their idols. They loved their temple worship. And what the people would do is they would come in, and you've even maybe seen this on videos of in India, where they go and they, and they put the food before one of the idols. And then what happens is then the people will eat it, or they'll partake of it. I saw a really gross one. They had a, they had a god to the rat, right? And the whole temple is just full of rats all over. And, and, and it was a blessing to share your food with a rat. I mean, that's where sin leads you. <laughs> you think in the sharing food with a rat. I'm sorry if you guys have pets and you do that, whatever. But <laughs> it, was, it was one of those things that you get to see, you know, this is what the people do. This is what it is to be in those pagan worship things. And what was going on in Corinth is they would they'd go and take this food, and they'd put it before that, that God. And they would believe that it would bless that food, and then therefore it would bless them from the inside out. And so they would have these big feasts that were blessed by their God. And so growing up in that society, if you think from like when you're a little kid and that's what you're always doing, you're going to these feasts, you're, you're seeing horrible things done, all kinds of sin going on around this. And then you come to Jesus Christ, you get saved, you get this freedom, this liberty that's brought to you and you're excited about it. And you're like, there is no way I'm going back. Because everything that I grew up with, that, that completely is opposite of what God is. That is completely on the other side. I want nothing to do with it anymore. And then some of the, one of the person or one of the people that you're going to church with, you're walking by and all of a sudden you're looking in the temple and you're like, are you serious? No way. Or not even in the temple, which it does say that. And I never caught that before. But it says if he's uh, in verse 10, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple. I always thought it was just eating the meat, but actually in it. So anyways, if they see you doing that, all of a sudden they're vexed because it, it, it's a hard thing for them to take because here you've come out of that life and you know what that means. You know how horrible that life was. And all of a sudden you see your brother, which you look up to because they're much more mature and they've been walking with Jesus Christ. And then you see them in that situation. It really confuses you. And that's what was going on with the church in Corinth is that you had a lot of these people coming out of paganism, out of this idolatry worship, out of these horrible scenes that they'd grown up with. And, and then they're told, you know, you go to Jesus Christ. That's who you believe in. That's who you're about. We go to church and then you get to see your other fellow, fellow brothers and sisters still looking like they're into those idols. And it really confused them. And what Paul wants to tell in this, like in verse one, he says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, 
but love edifies. And what he's just speaking about is, we, okay, you guys that are more mature, I, I understand you guys know that there's nothing behind that stuff, that it's emptiness. It's a, it's a, it's a piece of stone, it's a piece of wood, and no more. But you want that knowledge puffs you up and thinking, like, I can go ahead and go do that stuff, and it's okay. Be careful of that because the thing you need to focus on is love. That's where it needs to go to. So that's why he starts getting into focus on the other, uh, his, his brothers around him. And in verse 2, and it says, And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. For our, but if anyone loves God and is the one, I, uh, this one is known by him. Verse 4, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered in the idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and there is no other God. And then he goes on and talks about there's no other God. There's one God. And when he said there's gods and lords, that's positions, okay? This is one of those verses taken out of context and saying uh, the, that we have God the Father over this earth, but there's other earths out there that have other gods that are over them, and someday you get to be a god and make spiritual babies and have your own planet. That's where this comes from, okay? You can misread that. Context is everything, right? So what he's, just, he's making it very clear. Guys, I understand. I'm on the same page. Let's not have an argument here. We know that there's one God, but you're totally missing a point here. You're missing that brother that you're, content, you're, you're causing to, to fall. You're, you're, you're making his conscience very confused in what is, you're supposed to be like and live like. And so in verse uh, 8, it says, But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, or if we do not eat are we the worse. And then verse 9, this is where he really hits it, and his point is, But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. So, yes, in Jesus Christ, we have many liberties, don't we? We have liberties of not following man's traditions. You know, but for the sake of the brethren, we do things that we probably would feel like we could argue till we're blue in the face that we don't have to do. A great example is this tie. <laughs> I don't ever wear ties. I, I just don't. I'm not that, I don't, I don't roll like that. I, I had to go buy pants last night because I found I didn't even have any nice pants. I had jeans. Yeah, you know, come on. <laughs> I'm not trying to draw attention, but I'm, no. <laughs> the point being is that I want to make sure that whoever's coming in here, whether it's new or whether it's you guys, that there is nothing that's going to be in the way of me and what Christ wants to talk to you about. Because that's where the point gets is that you do not want the focus on the person. And so if I came up here on, on a communion Sunday and I had my T-shirt and my shorts on it, there might be somebody in here that just that's all they could focus on the whole time was how misdressed I am. And you know what? I could go argue blue in the face about my liberty. That it doesn't matter what I'm wearing or what I'm eating or what I'm, it, it does, you know, I could go, but that's not the point. And that's what Paul wants to make is it's not the point to argue about that junk. The point is that you're watching out for your brother. You have to keep your brother in sight. So if it's uncomfortable for you to have to wear a tie and slacks, so what? Get over yourself, right? You, that's just one of the things that you need to do. And that's just a small example. Other ones can be, um, you know, if, if you feel that it's okay to go hang out in a bar, I would just take that as the temple part. You know, you're hanging out in the temple. You know what? You could argue till you're blue in the face and say, you know what? I'm not going into sin. I'm not doing anything in there that's wrong. I'm not involving myself in any sin. And there'll be other people that argue completely on the other side. The hard part is here comes somebody that's new to Jesus Christ, and they see you in there, and they're so confused because that's the life that they came out of. Jesus rescued them from alcoholism, and now they see somebody that they look up to hitting the bottle, maybe not getting drunk, but still doing it right in front of them, and they're, they're, they're confused. Like, how could God rescue me from that? But then my brother over here that I look up to is, is totally like, here, have one. <laughs> Does he not know where I am with, with, with my Savior right now? You know, and it really causes that, that hard part. And it says in verse 11, it really hits it, or verse 12. It really, you know, verse 11. It says, and because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. In verse 12, but... When you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So, hey, you know what? Argue till you're blue in the face that it's not a sin. But guess what? If you offended your brother, you caused him to stumble, uh, you just racked it up as a sin. That's what it's saying there. That it is that Christ's concern is not the things that you're allowed to do, but he wants to make sure that that body is together. That there's nobody causing anybody else to sin. 
And you guys can be careful. I, I know that, you know, there's a lot of examples that I'll use that are definitely on the guy side because that's the things I see. But I've even seen, I mean, with, with, with a, let's say that a woman's coming out of a hard time with, you know, that she had the credit card and boom, it was just everything. Buy, 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 go and shop. I'm just going shopping, come home with a bunch of stuff. Okay, she comes out of that because the Lord rescues and shows her, this is how you can deal with this is You don't need that stuff. You, you know, you're beautiful with me. You stop trying to get the attention on you. You know, all the things he works with you. And then here you have a, a, a sister that's m- more mature in the Lord that's been walking. He says, here, let's go shopping. I know you love to shop and you do this, even though they know the background there. And now they're drawing them right back into something that they used to have a problem with. It goes on all kinds of different examples. And the whole thing is, guys, just watch what you're doing when your brothers and sisters are watching you. And that's the first one that Paul talks about, you know, in the, in the things that he, he goes through in these, in these chapters, is that you don't want your liberty to cause your brother to stumble or your sister to stumble. Now, on the, the verses, and this is one of those things that it, it's hard because we could go through and when we're arguing, we could say that in the Bible, I can't find these verses, right? So, some of the things I wrote down that you can't find specific verses are smoking. I can't find a verse that says don't do that. I don't, I don't know if you guys have. Right? Uh, forms of entertainment. You guys have any verses there? There's certain ones, yes, but, you know, we could go uh, what to eat or drink. Exactly. Dancing. Is there anything on that? Uh, playing cards. Mostly poker. Uh, today's specific dress code for believers, and I'm saying today because a lot of the ones that are mentioned in the scriptures are cultural. And the thing I, I know, everybody resorts back to that scripture that talks about, well, the, the, the temple's the, or the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That's like the go-to verse. If you ever want to have a debate with anybody on, you're not allowed to have tattoos or any of this stuff. But when you're going through those scriptures, it's talking about what the, what the body is to be used for. It's for the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we wanted to look at it as a physical aspect and, and apply all these, these thoughts to it and say, yeah, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that because it's the temple. Well, then those of us that are a little bit heftier do not have a great temple compared to those that work out. So you that work out, you guys have a better temple. And so therefore, you're a better Christian than me. That's what you'd have to go to, because if you're so worried about the physical body and what's going on in the physical and trying to represent that as your temple, then what you're saying is that, therefore, if I'm more healthy, that means I'm also a more blessed person in the Lord, but there's this whole thing that plays out, and that's not the way it is, and thank the Lord that it's not, because I got plenty of room in here for him. <laughs> I'm just making space. I want to have a huge temple. No. <laughs> All right. The other thing about this, the other side of it is that people will take a hold of these things, and what they'll start doing is they'll start setting up these rules, and they'll start saying, you're not allowed to do this. It's that legalism that comes in. You know, I don't want to see anybody with hats on. I don't want to see anybody with shorts in the church. I don't want to see any, you know, and they start laying all these rules out that this is what it looks like to come to church. And it's a bunch of regulations that's put on men that, 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 that it's not in the scriptures at all. And it actually starts eliminating. And what it does is it starts breaking down and saying that this is what you have to be to be worthy before God. I love this example. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. But Chuck Smith, the guy that um, uh, the Lord used to start up Calvary Chapel out there in Costa Mesa. It was during the 70s. Uh, and him and his wife really started reaching out to the hippies. And it was awesome. I mean, some of the videos that you get to watch of these old times, it's like you have Chuck in the middle of this floor, and everybody else is sitting around him all Indian style, very hippie-like, right? And they're all singing guitar, and they're all making up songs as they go along, and just an awesome time of them just worshiping him, and then he would just sit in the middle and give a word, go through the verses with them. And it was such an awesome time. If you guys ever have time to go look at that and see any of that history there, I don't know if there's a documentary out yet, but anyways, one of the things is, is that the hippies were coming into the church with no shoes on. Okay. Now the elders, I'm sure some of them had problems with this, and they needed to figure out a way to deal with it. And so their way of dealing with it was going up to Chuck and saying, hey, you've noticed the floors. I mean, the carpets are all getting ruined because of these hippies coming in here barefoot. And so Chuck said, well, you know what? What are we going to do about it? And they said, well, I think you need to tell them to start putting shoes on or they, 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 can't, they can't really be in the foyer or in the, in the sanctuary. 
And so he goes, you know what? Let's just tear out the carpet. <laughs> and it's just a great example of let's focus on the people. Let's not focus on the material things or, or, or the traditions that need to happen a certain way. And I really looked up to Chuck because another thing that Chuck did is he would wear a suit every Sunday. This is a guy that was all about Hawaiian shirts, you know, and that's one of the things that's funny because a lot of the older pastors of Calvary Chapel, you, you can definitely tell them in a crowd. They, they got their Hawaiian on. But it was just neat to see that here's a guy that he didn't want to have anything between him and the people. He wanted Jesus just to be seen. He didn't want to bring anything to that part. So just an awesome guy and how he dealt with the things. And it's so important that, you know, we don't go and dive off on the legalism side of here's what the rules are. Here's what God's convicted me on. And that's the neat thing is that God will talk to us individually, won't he? He'll come to us and say, you know what? You've been smoking for how many years? Okay. This is something I want you to give up for me. And that'll, that'll be it. It'll just be, I just want you to give it up for me. There's been so many times in my life where he's like, Curtis, I want you to get this out of your life. All that secular music that you have and you've been collecting and you've invested in, <laughs> you need to get rid of every bit of it. <laughs> All right, well, kind of like Weezer. I don't really want to get rid of that one yet. <laughs> That's a hard one. Um, you know, and starting sorting through and compromising, saying, Lord, I'll give you this, but can I keep this? And it was just like, no, I, Curtis, I want you to see where you stand with me. I want to see, I want you to see how important I am to you. And it's like, wow, okay, easy to give it all up. But that's something I can't take to somebody else and say, hey, everybody has to get rid of their secular music. You know, this is something God's dealt with me in. And so there are certain things that God has dealt with each one of us individually and how this tradition he's given us and how we are to be before him, but it's our liberty, isn't it? And other people have their liberty. So be careful not to push what God has said to you and asked you to do in following him. There's certains in the Bible, and I don't want to skip over those. There's so many certains, the do's and the don'ts in the Bible that you can go back to and be sure on. That's one of those things that a pastor should never be up preaching traditions he should ha always have a verse that he can go to that will back up those do's and don'ts. There should always be scripture. If there's not, it's one of those gray areas, and it's one of those things that people need to deal with the Lord. So in looking at that, just being careful and looking at what Paul says, and that we don't cause our brother to stumble in either way, whether we're too hard on what needs to be done or, or on the other side of, of, of uh, doing whatever we feel like because we have liberty to do it. Now, Paul, he didn't just focus on it, because this part is about the believers, the ones that are in the church, right? So he also focuses on those that aren't a part of the church. If you guys flip over to, um, there it is, verse 19 in chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 19. Paul wasn't just focused on watching what his liberties were doing to the people in the church, but it was also to the people that were unsaved. In verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all men, right there, Okay, he's got his liberty. I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as a weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. And this is one of those neat verses where Paul's saying, guys, you also have to step out of some comfort zone, cultural comfort zone. Now Paul was raised Jewish, wasn't he? And he says that he was the Jew of all Jews. I mean, this was a guy that he knew all of the laws. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he, was, he was raised up by Gamaliel, which was a, a top uh, uh, one of the priests there, and, and, or not, uh, one of the rabbis there in, in Jerusalem. And, and one of the things said about uh, when he was named Saul before he became Paul was that Gamaliel had a hard time giving him enough material because he'd just go through it so fast. I mean, this is a guy that just was zealous for God, zealous for the law of God. Now you have this guy, and I love it because God comes and meets him on the road and says, why are you persecuting me? And then he turns them in, in, and he sends them out to the Gentiles. To the culture, it's completely different from everything he's been raised and taught into what was clean. Now he's got to go to the unclean, or what they used to call the Gentiles' dogs. They used to call us dogs. Well, they still do. But 
um, getting to see this awesome thing where God's going to use this man in this other culture. And Paul had to come down and he had to understand this, that he has to be in all things to all men. There's some traditions that they're not, he's not going to be able to keep when he's with the Gentiles. And I don't know if you guys remember back in Acts when Peter's actually sitting there with the, the, the Gentiles and he's having a meal with them. There's some Gentiles and some Jews mixed in there. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the I don't know what you would call them, basically the strict Jews, Christians that were still trying to put the law on all the Gentiles, they came in the room and Paul or Peter immediately stood up and he separated himself from the Gentiles. Well, Paul saw all this, and he actually called the guy out. He said, you can't, what are you doing? You can't do that. Because you're separating yourself and saying that you agree with that old law, when now we live in the age of grace, it's with Jesus Christ, now we're all that one body. And it was a very hard thing, and you can imagine when this was all first starting out, getting that idea that there is no longer any separation. But Paul took hold of it, and he would go to those people. So when he was among the Jews, and that would, I think was even harder for Paul, because here he is coming out of all that, that legalism, all these traditions and even these laws that were no longer in effect because Christ had come in that new covenant like we just read this morning. Now he's coming into that and he gets to see, I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> that was my chains, you know, that, that old way. And yet we see over in Acts 21, verses 15 through uh, 25, where Paul's going back into Jerusalem and the guys, there's some other Jewish uh, Christians that had said, hey, Paul, we've already set everything up for you. There's four guys that are going to go with you into the temple because we need you to go talk to the Messianic Jews there. We need you to go explain to them that you're not going around saying Moses is forsaken. You know, I've forsaken Moses. The Gentiles can do whatever they want. We need you to go talk to these people to show them that that's not what you're going around saying because that's what the rumor is. So here you have four guys. You need to pay for them to get cleansed and take this vow and shave your heads. This is one of the things that they would, they would do. This is one of those Jewish customs that they would do before they go into the temple and before you go and talk. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to show them that he had not discounted and he had not run or forsaken all of the laws of Moses. He wanted to show them Jesus. And to get past that barrier, he was willing to go ahead and subject himself again to that law, even though he had liberty not to do it. Another example is in Acts 16, 1 through 5, where Paul takes Timothy. Timothy was always running around with him. Timothy had a Jewish mother but a Greek father. And he'd never been circumcised, okay? So what Paul does, because he knows that the Jews in that place know that, and they know that Timothy's going around with him, he has Timothy circumcised. He didn't have to. Timothy had that liberty, but he wanted to make, the, so every time he went into a place, they were like, oh, he's uncircumcised, he can't have anything to do with us. And they completely missed the sight of the gospel, or they, the, they don't even hear it. And I bring up Timothy because you guys know Titus, right? Titus was another one that he used to take around with him. Titus, he didn't have circumcised. And there's a big deal about that in Galatians. So you guys know that he was with me. I didn't have him circumcised. The difference was that because they were trying to get him to be circumcised because they're trying to put him under the law. And Paul wanted to make an example and say, no, we're not under the law. In this instance, he was being careful with those that were on the outside. He wanted to make sure there was no division there that would take them or not make them uh, to where they couldn't hear the gospel. And so you get to see that there's awesome things there. Even in today's society or, or missionaries nowadays, if you guys have seen some of them, how many of you guys have read about Hudson Taylor? Awesome missionary, right? Neat book. If you guys haven't read anything about him, this guy was revolutionary in the way that he dealt with missions. Back in his time, it was very cultural that the British would go over to a place to go and share Jesus Christ. They definitely had the right intent, but they'd bring their culture along with them. And what they would try to do is change that culture because they saw that the sin that they were in, the, that they were following Satan, and therefore they were savages or undeveloped. And they would apply that to them rather than seeing there's a different culture there, and they would apply all that to them and bring their culture and say, this is what the culture looks like when you follow God. And it's unfortunate because you can't do that. If you guys have been out and tried to force your culture on anybody else, it, it doesn't really work. It's not a good thing, okay? Don't mess with Greeks. But... Then you look at um, what he ended up doing and coming over there and, and, and what Hudson Taylor ended up doing with the people there is he completely went into their culture. Now, before this, there was just a little bit of a few missionaries on the outside, like there on the, on the, near the ocean. There was hardly anybody that was going inland China. So what ended up happening is this guy, he decided to do a crazy thing. Back at this time, what they did is these guys had, uh, you know, their traditional dress, and then what they did is they'd shave their whole head, and on the very top up here, they'd leave their hair long, and they'd braid it. And that was their custom. 
That was the way that they would dress. Completely different from what the people in England look like. And so when the English would come in there, the people couldn't see anything but English. They didn't see Jesus. And when Hudson Taylor came in there, all of a sudden the people were like, wow, what is this Englishman doing? This is completely contrary to any of the other ones we've seen. And, and I want to know more about him. I have a curiosity about this guy because he's trying to apply himself to our culture. And then he got to share Christ and he ended up going way inland in China because of that. Because he became a Chinese to the Chinese rather than an English to the Chinese. And so we get to see it even in the society and how you guys are dealing with. It's a neat tool to get in there and really get to understand and see, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to approach this person? Where can we go with this? But be careful, because there's one part he said in there, didn't he? He says, I do it all, but not to sin against God, right? He still, right there in verse 21, to those who are without the law as to the law, not being without the law towards God, but under the law towards Christ, so, certain areas, if a guy asks you guys, hey, let's go over to this bar that has some girls there, it might be a, an opportunity to witness to this guy, but I'm probably, I'm going to guess it's not going to be that great. <laughs> it's going to be some distraction. That's one of those areas that, of course, you don't go do that. That's an extreme one, but watch out what you guys are getting into. Don't fall into that sin just because you're trying to cover it with, well, they need to hear Jesus. So, I'm going to go along with it, you know, and be very careful that you're not causing yourself to fall into sin. So with our liberties, we need to be very careful with those that are around us. Now, this will bring us to the second one that Paul talks about. So in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, 24 through 27, it says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run this not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now here's the one that's really going to hit home. Because there's a lot of times that we'll look at it and we'll, you know what, Lord, I, I want to be careful with how I deal with my brethren. I want to make sure that they're there. That's, that's a pretty easy one. But here's one of those ones that I found myself and, and, and other guys that I've talked with is that we love to go up to that line. You know, we're in that gray area. We have our liberties, and then we're just like right there on that line where it's like, yeah, I used to do that, but I'm good right here. <laughs> you know, I, I got God's grace. I got his strength. I can just stand right there on that line. And it's one of those places that you guys really be careful in how you're using your Christian liberty isn't an excuse for the flesh just to go right up to just peer over what it used to be into those things you used to be involved in. So an example is, hey, a hardcore alcoholic, right? I'm going to go right up to the edge of that. So I'm going to go hang out with some guys that are all my drinking buddies. I'm going to go ahead and, you know what, I'm not going to drink even a whole can. I'm just going to sip on it. I just like the taste. I just want that taste back in my mouth. And that's all I'm going to do. I have the liberty to do it. I mean, of course, in scriptures, we know that God says don't get drunk. doesn't say anything about having one, right? Which I'd agree, and we won't, we won't get into that issue. That's a big one. <laughs> but we'll stay with this. But just being careful, and they come right up to that line, and next thing they know, they're on the other side, right? They're right on the other side because they've gone up to that temptation, and they've taken hold of it, and now it's birthed itself into sin. And that can go with all kinds of different things. You know, hey, I, I, I've gotten rid of all of my debt. It was hard because we racked up a lot. Before we know Jesus, or even when we didn't know Jesus, but we weren't very serious about him, we had so much debt, and we just bought whatever we wanted and just tried to survive. Well, then the Lord freed us from all that. Maybe did some awesome things. I've heard cool stories about just their debt being paid off in one year. So then what happens is there's this great deal that comes in the mail on this new credit card, you know, this is one of those situations where the family's cut up all the credit cards, throwing them out the window. Great. <coughs> but they come up to that line, and they're like, ooh, this has got such great rewards on this card. There's some good stuff here. We can use it to benefit God. Because, I mean, these rewards, we can use it like on a plane trip to go and serve somebody over here. I see lots of great things here, God. It's like, you know what? You have every right to. You have every liberty to do that. 
There's, I can't find anything in the scripture that says don't do it. But where are you going with that? And that's where we come back to that scripture where he says that, do you guys know that people that run a race, there's a lot of them. So which means by he's saying that there's a lot of them, that means there's going to be a lot of competition. Because, you know, if you run a race, you're probably going to win if you're just by yourself. I hope so. <laughs> Sad deal if you don't. <laughs> All right. Just, yeah. <coughs> that's why he says there's a lot of them there. Because there's a lot of competition, there's going to be a lot of hard people to beat. And so what do you do so that you can beat them? You discipline yourself. You train yourself. And you know what? Runners have every right to a big, juicy hamburger, don't they? All that grease, all that juiciness coming off of it, right? We'll have lunch in a little bit. There, you have this thing, and the, the, the person has every right to eat it, but the whole deal is, is that their focus is, no, i got a race coming up. I'm not going to touch that because I need to discipline myself. I have every right to take that. But because I don't want to fail in the race that I'm in, I'm not going to partake in that. And that's one of those places that really we need to check and see what's going on in our lives. Are, are we running that race? Because it says here in the scriptures that it says, you know what? They run for an imperishable crown. A crown basically saying it doesn't matter. Their trophy, their glory, it's all, all just momentary, isn't it? But it says, you guys, this is even more important because we run for something that's going to be imperishable. A crown that's imperishable. And I don't know exactly what that looks like. I mean, I, you know, I look at the scripture and I say, okay, a crown. Honestly, for me, I'm not that excited about having to wear a crown for all eternity. <laughs> you get uncomfortable. It's something that's going to be proud of because the crown represented glory, didn't it? It represented position. And I look at those parts of it and it's like, that's imperishable. That's something that's not going to fade away. And so how I'm running this race right now, am I taking it very seriously? Am I taking those things that, yes, I have a liberty to go and have a beer every once in a while? I totally do. I have the liberty to go and put a bunch of tattoos on my body. I have a liberty, and I'm not trying to just knock down each one of these things you guys do. I, I want you guys to think about what are you guys involving yourselves in in your lives that you have liberties to, but are they dragging you back? You know that the runners also used to put weights on themselves, right? Or nowadays, what do they use, a parachute? Yeah, and they'll start running, they got that parachute there. Well, it would be foolish to run the race with that parachute on, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd be like, dude, you forgot to take something out. <laughs> Off, come on. Go run a race by yourself. So they have this parachute. They take it off when they're actually going to run the race. They're serious about it. They want nothing that's going to keep them back and, and drag them down. And so the thing is, is, do we do that with ourselves? The only person I ever see that would go off on that way, and, and one of the key words that I see when we're doing this, when we have this, this mindset that, hey, I have this liberty, I'm going to go ahead and do it, the biggest word that stands out to me is overconfidence. That's usually what drags us into it, isn't it? That overconfidence of, I've been walking with the Lord this long, it's okay if I go over here and I do a little bit of this. God, it's okay if I go ahead and I watch these certain movies. It's okay, I can handle it, I'm an adult. I had one guy come up to me, this is kind of a crazy story, so... I was out in, in Costa Rica on a beach, hard place to be. <laughs> We're going out there. This kid comes up, and he says, hey, let's go on a walk on the beach. I didn't know where he was taking us. Now I'm supposed to teach the next day at the church there in Hako, which is a horrible city, bad, lots of prostitution, lots of drugs, lots of that stuff going on there. Anyways, my friend's gone. I get to go preach at this town. I didn't want to be by myself in any of the hotels or anything. I didn't want any. I, I didn't want any temptation. I didn't want anything to look bad. I didn't want any of that. So I stayed with these people in this mansion on the beach. I didn't know it was going to be that way. I just said, "Hey, can you hook me up with some people?" And he puts me in this house. I'm like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> I got to talk to the neighbors. They're all talking about owning these islands up in Maine and everything. I was like, "Wow, I'm out of my element here." Anyways, this kid asked me to go along the on a walk on the beach. So we're walking down the beach, and I didn't have my glasses on, but I could tell something ahead. There's a lot of peach to the mass. You know what I'm saying? A lot of peach color, right, <laughs> to the mass of people that were up there. And I'm walking, and I'm like, something doesn't feel right. This is getting a little weird. And then I get a little bit closer, I'm like, okay, turn around and walk away. <laughs> Holy cow. They were promoting a certain bar is what they were doing out there without anything to cover up. Well, that kid was taking us because he was like, yeah, this is cool. Let's go and look at it. Th but the thing is, is that I had this other guy that was there. He's an older gentleman. He's in his uh, 
uh, probably mid-60s. And he kept going. He saw what was going on. He kept going. So then he comes back later. I didn't even say anything to the guy. And he comes right up to me and he goes, I know you're teaching tomorrow, and I know that's probably why you didn't go. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, there's a lot more <laughs> reasons that I didn't go than that. And I was like, he goes, you don't have to worry about me. I'm an older man. I've seen it all. That stuff doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> I'm like, man, what kind of deception has this guy let himself into? Well, the next day we were actually talking about David. And if you guys know that David was the same, he was, he was an older, older man when he, he fell into sin with Bathsheba. Here he is up on his rooftop glassing people. I don't know if they had glasses back then, but he's up there being a peeping Tom. And he sees this lady over there, which who knows how many times before, and his lust burned him, and he ended up going with her. The thing is, is he's an older man, and he was just flirting with that. So I want to encourage you guys that think you, you've graduated from, from that sin, and that doesn't bother you anymore. <laughs> be careful, guys. And ladies, be very careful what you think you've graduated from, because the thing is, and the unfortunate deal is, we still live in this body of sin. We still live in this body of sin. And so we have to be very careful on what we're going to and that overconfidence that we might have. You guys know the story about Esther? Yeah? Some of you? Okay. With Esther, what happened is she ended up, uh, I'm just going to go through the short version of it. Uh, she ended up marrying a king, Arsirius, and she had an uncle named Mordecai, right? Well, Mordecai and Esther are both Jews. And there's this other guy, his name was Haman. And then Haman's like Hitler. And I'm not joking. This guy absolutely hated the Jews. Even some to this day, the Jewish people, when they hear that name Haman, they spit on the ground. They spit when they hear his name. They're just disgusted with this guy. The thing is, is he wanted to wipe out the Jews. This is like the first time that we have recorded history that they actually were targeting just the Jews to wipe them out. Not Israel as a nation, but the Jews that were mixed in. And what was going on is because this guy was so jealous, Haman, the king had made him as basically as his, his right-hand man, gave him authority over all things. And so Haman, he was a very prideful man and started having the people bow down to him. As he went by, they needed to pay him homage and they needed to bow down before him. Well, guess what? Malachi wasn't, or Mordecai was not up for it. Mordecai went by, you know, he goes by and he's like, Pfft. I mean, who are you? <laughs> well, anyways, Haman got really mad about that. So he wanted to end his life. So anyways, what Haman ends up doing, he goes home and talks to his wife. And his wife gives him a great idea that he should build a gallows at their house or wherever it was. Make it 50 feet high. Or cubits. I can't remember what it used. Probably cubits. That's what they used back then. Anyways, massive hangmen. Okay? Where they're going to hang uh, Mordecai. Anyways, what ends up happening is Esther goes before the king, tells him about what's going on, or, or sets up this feast to bring Haman to. And Haman thinks that there's this big thing that's going to happen for him. This overconfidence. He's all excited. Like, it's about time they're going to recognize me. I mean, this is, I, the queen is setting up a banquet for me. And what it was, she was setting it up to expose what was going on because Haman had gotten the king to sign a decree to kill all the Jews that were amongst them. And so she was going to bring him in. So anyways, they bring him in. And then the king says, here, take a nice horse. Take this kingly apparel. And, he, you know, Haman's all getting ready like, yeah, I'm going to look good. You know, I'm going to get all dressed up for this thing. And he goes, and then go give it to Mordecai. <laughs> and here's Mordecai, because Mordecai's outside of the, 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 the place, and he's in sackcloth and ashes because he's mourning what's going to happen to the Jews. So here he goes. Haman has to go out there and give him this apparel, which is just, ooh, had to burn him. Then they go back in. Esther tells what was going on, the whole plight, the plot to kill all the Jews and why it was. And guess what happened to Haman? He got hung from his own gallows that he had made for Mordecai. Overconfidence. And that's just what's, uh, that thing that happens in our life, that sin that we deal with and the things that we have to go through. And, and we think we can do it. We have this overconfidence of, I can do it. I'm such a good Christian now. I'm so good. I can go right up to that edge, and I'm not going to fall there. And usually, you know what will happen is you won't fall if other people are looking at you because you're wanting to look good as a good Christian. Then enter that darkness, enter that, that time of solitude, enter that time where you feel like you can get away with it. And you'll be over that line quick, right? And we all know that. We've all been there. Look over in Galatians 5.13. Get out of here at 12, right? <laughs> Galatians 
says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And he puts both of them in there. He puts both those points in there. And being careful that you guys are not using the liberty for an opportunity for the flesh. And just think about the different things that you guys go through in your life, the daily routines that you guys have put yourself into. Are you giving opportunity to your flesh? The way you guys, what you involve yourself, what you invest yourself into in the very first thing in the morning, is that something that you're allowing the flesh to get a foothold? The things that you, how you deal with your stress throughout the day, what is your go-to? What helps you relieve that stress? Is that something that you're giving another foothold to the, the flesh? Now, there's so many liberties that we can look at and say, you know what? I want to have this stress. I have to go to that liberty. Otherwise, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> God's not designed it that way, has he? We don't use those things so that we can use it for the flesh exactly like what Galatians is saying. The different things and how you guys deal with your families. Okay, your kids, they'll tick you off. They'll drive you nuts. <laughs> they'll push you over the limits. How are you dealing with that? What is your go-to? What is the thing? And the thing is, is are you become overconfident in what you can deal with? The things that you guys go and watch at night. I mean, we're going through the whole day right here, okay? You get to the nighttime, what are you investing in? What is the things you're putting into your mind? What are you making important? What are you feeding at night? What kind of shows are being watched? And then you ladies, and I say ladies because most guys aren't into this, but some of those books that are out there that you've been reading, you know, it's, it's pretty risque what's going on inside the book. And there's even a lot of language that shouldn't be used that are inside those books. Hey, you know what? It's really easy to read a book in secret and not see what's going on. You know, the person who's to see you with a book, they don't know what you're putting in your mind. Be careful what you guys are investing in what you're putting in your mind. Don't get off opportunity to the flesh. Look over back over in 1 Corinthians 10, and we'll close out with this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market. Ask no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fruit, fullness. In verse 27, if any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you. Ask no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all, the all of its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jew or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also, also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And when you look at those scriptures, I mean, at verse 23, you know what, guys? It might not be helpful. Just some more things to check on. Is it helpful? Is it edifying? And then that one verse right there, that one stood out so much. Yeah, it's a great verse to go over. Verse 31. And look what that says there. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you guys do, do it for who? All the glory of God, right? That's an easy way to check out. If you guys are having questions and seeing, well, is this a liberty? Is this something that I'm, I'm falling into in my life? Is this something I, I need to walk away from because it, it's going to give opportunity to my flesh? It's not helpful to me. It's not edifying to my brother. Go to that. Hey, is this giving glory to God? Right now, what I'm doing, is this giving him glory? The time is short, isn't it? The time that we live here on this earth is short, whether you guys die naturally or Jesus comes back before that. It's short compared to eternity, isn't it? I mean, average 80 years, right, is what we get to live. That's nothing compared to the eternity we get to be with him. So why not take this time very serious? And making sure that our days and what we're involved in and what we're putting in our minds or what we're investing in is making sure that it's all to the glory of God. 
if he's given us this life, he's rescued out of us. We just had communion this morning, getting to go back and think about what he's done for us. It's a very serious deal. How could we not think about that and give that to him each day? I'm right there with you guys. I am horrible at that. <laughs> it is one thing to be able to say it. We get excited about here on Sunday, and it is so hard to walk out of these doors and continue with that throughout the week. And so that's something we definitely need to be praying about, right? Praying for each other. The worship team wants to go ahead and come back up. I want to encourage you guys that throughout this week, and the, the Lord will bring it back to remembrance. I mean, every time that you guys have prayed about it in your own lives, Lord, help me remember this. I love your scripture. I love what you just taught me. Help me to remember this throughout the week. He does, doesn't he? There's so many times I reject it, though. So I just pray for you guys. And remember to pray for each other and each person in the church. And the guys throughout the week, we can remember, hey, this is a serious deal. We need to be praying for our brothers and what they're doing, the things that the liberties that they're having, the things that maybe they're close to sinning again. That we can pray over them and we can even talk to them and encourage them. So, Lord, we love you and we do want to just put this all before you, Lord. All the things that go on in our lives, the things that we are overconfident about and thinking that we can do. Um, that line that we can walk right up to and feel like we're okay in it, Lord. I just think, you know, even that scripture, the part that we kind of skipped over there with you talking about Israel and, and them walking out in that wilderness and the things you took them through and how sad it was, Lord, that they had this overconfidence that they had and they ended up getting scattered all throughout the desert. Lord, I ask that you just would help us, that that wouldn't happen, that we wouldn't be scattered all throughout the desert, Lord, that we take it very serious in what you've asked us to do, that we wouldn't give opportunity to the flesh, Lord. Lord, you're the one that gives us the power and the strength to be able to do that. And Lord, I ask that you just help us remember because we have so many things in this world that distract us and we have the enemy that wants to take us away from your truth. We have our own flesh that you know, gives us other things to do, other entertainments that we enjoy more, Lord. And I pray that we would just fall before you. We'd repent. Lord, we come to you and we just ask you that we continue just to hold our hand and walk us through these times. And that, Lord, most of all, you would help every one of us this week just to remember every day. You know, is this to your glory? What I'm involving myself in, is this to your glory, Lord? And you know that's where our heart is. You know we want to bring you glory, Lord. We just praise you and thank you so much for your death and what you've done for us and just how you've resurrected us to be in newness of life with you, Lord. You're such an awesome God for us. In your name I pray, amen.
Let your glory polish you.